This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Goslin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. Well, the regular season's finally here, and Derek, that would be Derek Burns, our producer. Derek, guess who's quarterback in New England? Free Brady! That's right, Ron's favorite quarterback, Tom Brady. He's free, and I don't want to say I told you so, so I won't, not yet anyway. But you do that later on in this show when we dissect the biggest victory of Tom Brady's career. In the meantime, let's celebrate the arrival of games that finally means something with the show that means a lot. We have one that's locked and loaded. We have the fifth in our Out of Their League series, who the United States Football League featured. And you're going to want to stay where you are because we had USFL alums Nate Newton and Doug Flutie with us, as well as former USFL executive Bill Kuharik, who just so happens runs the Cleveland Browns for the next month. We also check in with former USFL executive and now Hall of Fame resident Bill Polian to get his take on why the USFL failed and how it was on the right track. And we also, yes, we also have a guest appearance by former Stars coach Jim Moore. But that's not all. Rick, meaning Rick Gosselin, will do what he does best this summer, namely reduce his Super Bowl field again. <laughs> Only this time it's by three more teams, eliminating two. You could guess one, you would not before making a Hall of Fame case for former Pittsburgh defensive lineman L.C. Greenwood. And, Ron, that's Ron Borges takes on who else the New England Patriots for something new? Cheating. But first, it's the start of the season, finally, as I said. And let's get to the five most riveting questions heading into this year. Rick, you can go first. Okay, is Chip Kelly a genius or an idiot? He emptied the <laughs> cupboard of Andy Reid's players' soft season dumping LaShawn McCoy, Nick Foles, Trent Cole, Todd Harriman, Zev Mathis, Pro Bowlers, one and all and brought in his guys. If he wins, he's a genius. If he loses, he's an idiot. <laughs> That's a good way to start the show. Well, for me, it's have the Oakland Raiders finally found an offense and a quarterback in Derek Carr. Your salary cap mess took a couple years to prepare, but Reggie McKenzie said, I love that music. Oh, Chills down like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if he's also right about Derek Carr, who looked good, very good last season and seems to be continuing to improve, uh, he's surrounded him with some weapons. And who knows? They could be respectable. What's respectable? That's what we're going to find out. I'd say it's be competitive in the AFC West this year, which I think the Raiders will be. Well, speaking of the AFC West, Ron, my question, I'm going to go with Peyton Manning and what's next for him. He turned 39 in March and said he doesn't have feelings in his fingertips. That's not a great combination, people. So is this, or neither is this. His offensive line is young. And he just deflate the ball, Clark. What? He could just deflate the ball. Though. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice. You won't give up on that, will you? You lost! His offensive line is young and almost entirely new. One of his best red zone threats, that would be tight end Julius Thomas, is gone. And, of course, Manning is now taking more snaps under center. Oh, and did I mention? He's 39. I'll go with the mystery that is the Seattle Seahawks. The last team to go to three straight Super Bowls was the Bills. It's tough to repeat as a conference champion. Very difficult to repeat. And the money is becoming an issue. When you win, everybody wants to get paid for the success. Jimmy Johnson told me one time that the pie doesn't get any bigger, but everybody wants a bigger slice. 
Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson, Cam Chancellor. There are only so many dollars to go around in a salary cap world. This will be an interesting season for the Seahawks. Well, for me, uh, the interesting question does involve the Patriots, and, and the question is, is this the season someone finally catches up to them in the AFC East? Miami needs continued improved play by their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who is, uh, has, in fact, improved each time we've seen him pretty much. Uh, and if he uh, can really get to that sort of premium level, he's got the kind of defense that can make the Dolphins uh, very dangerous. Buffalo was 9-7 last year without a quarterback. Are they trying to do the same thing this year? Or is Tyrod Taylor going to put more pressure on opposing defenses than anyone but Rex Ryan believes? And lastly, there's the Jets, but who cares? So, the <laughs> breath, you know, so does any of that finally matter? Or at 38, will Tom Brady sing the same old 12-4 story? Yeah, I got an answer to your question, Ron. Nobody's yeah. catching New England. Tom Brady's still the quarterback. Despite oh, your your trials and tribulations, he's still there. So as long as he's there, uh-uh, everyone's playing for number two. But listen, I've got one other, guys. What's next for Roger Goodell? I mean, he's been off his game since the Ray Rice incident, and maybe, just maybe, since Bounty Gate with New Orleans. But now owners are talking about reducing reducing his power and player conduct. He says he doesn't want that, but they're talking about it. And considering what just happened in a case that had, I'd say, more holes than Sonny Corleone, I'd say it's probably worth considering. Anyway, I'll say what's worth considering right here. We're going to commercial. When we return, it will be with former USFL and Dallas offensive lineman Nate Newton on the former Spring League and Donald Trump. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. And now, a touching moment while staying in touch with Geico. It was a warm summer day. I was just sitting on a porch watching a babbling brook roll by. Then, out of the blue, I got an update from my Geico app saying my claim had been processed. I felt so connected to nature, to Geico. (laughs) I stayed there the whole afternoon until that guy told me to stop trespassing on his porch. Sheesh, what was his problem? Claim status updates just a few taps away on the Geico app. Since the dawn of time, people have loved combining things. Have a stick and a sharp rock? Yeah! Now it's an axe. Okay. Got steam in a boat? Uh-huh. Hello, steamboat. Oh, yeah. That's how we made the new Little Caesars box set. You get four slices of deep, deep dish pepperoni pizza and ten pieces of Italian cheese bread with crazy sauce in the same box for just nine bucks. We think you'll agree it's the best combination ever. It is! The new box set only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations for a limited time plus tax. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow. Was that a blow? Not all barbecues are the same. Not all guitar licks are the same. Not all motor oils are the same either. Valvoline Full Synthetic High Mileage with Max Life Technology actually is different. It's the superior protection of synthetic for cars over 75,000 miles. But don't just believe us. See for yourself at seeadifference.com. Valvoline, 140 years under the hood. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Goslin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. 
Well, next guest, Nate Newton, was one of the best blockers and talkers on the Great Wall of Dallas in the 1990s. Current Cowboys believe they have the best blocking front in football, but, you know, just my opinion, this unit couldn't hold a candle to the bunch that blocked for Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and powered the Cowboys to three Lombardi trophies in four years. Nate Newton went to six Pro Bowls, more than any offensive lineman in franchise history, other than Hall of Famer Larry Allen. But he got to Dallas in a roundabout way, and he's here to tell us about that today. Nate Newton, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm, pre- I'm honored and I appreciate it. Hey, Nate, you were undrafted out of college, washed out with the Redskins, wound up signing with the Tampa Bay Bandits in the USFL in 1984. You spent two years starting at guard for Steve Spurrier in the fun and gun offense. In your first season, John Reeves passed for 4,000 yards back in the day when quarterbacks weren't passing for 4,000 yards. So was Spurrier's offense as much fun as it was gun? Oh, yeah, we definitely, man. We were the strength of that uh, team, man, for the, the offense, overshadowing the defense, man. We was, we was guaranteed to get you 35 points, even on a bad day. Uh, John Reeves, uh, John Reeves, uh, the quarterback, uh, really thought he had a quick release, but it was just a great block and he had up front. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he was old, man. You know, John had went through some things, you know. I mean, uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm not a funny type guy, but if you, if you saw his body in the shower, man, you'd thought he was a poon, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, his whole body was just fried up, you know. <laughs> man, I'm sorry you talk about John. Okay. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, you know better than anybody, uh, Nate, playing in the USFL wasn't exactly like playing uh, with the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. So what was that first road trip to San Antonio like? It was wild, man. I mean, you're playing in a, in a little small field, man, but the crowd is ruckus and it's, and it's loud, man. And it was it was exciting, man. I mean, we had a lot of great players in that league, man. It, it was exciting. man. We had Gary Anderson on our team out of Arkansas, man, played for the San Diego Chargers for many years. So, we, you know, we had Eric Trevillian at that time, Willie Gillespie, we had Ron Simmons. We had a bunch of guys from the state of Florida. So, we was just one big happy family rolling through, you know, rolling through these uh, little small towns and cities. <laughs> We're with former Dallas offensive lineman Nate Newton. And, Nate, uh, first of all, I'm glad you mentioned Gary Anderson. I was covering the Chargers that time. When he came over to San Diego, he was something we had never seen before. He was so Lightning electrifying. Quick. Oh, yeah. You remember that first yeah. game against Miami where he somersaulted into the end zone, vaulted into the end zone? You know what, man? That one, that, he used to do that in practice. We used to <laughs> look at him do flips and stuff in practice. And when he did that, and after you know scoring, I'm like, wow, that's sweet, man. Yeah, he was a very special talent. He was a specially talented guy. And, and I want to talk about some specially talented teams that you're with. You know, when your first two years in Tampa Bay, the Bandits won 24 games? And they made the playoffs yeah. both seasons, but in that That's same right. the, in that same year, in that fall, playing in the same stadium, the NFL Tampa Bay Bucks, Bucks, they basically stunk. I mean, they won eight times in those two years. So tell me this: How would your Bandits have done had they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Do you want the truth, or you just want to make up something? Always <laughs> want the truth, Nate. <laughs> they would have beat us, man. The, oh the NFL no! Would just, yes, they would have. They would just. They were they were they were more talented than us. For the for the few great players we had, we didn't have enough consistent uh, B players. We had a, we had a Gary Anderson, Eric Trevelyan, and I think Ron Simmons wouldn't have been able to compete. Uh, we had Fred Dean came from Washington Redskins in the hall. So we had some A players or some B plus players, 
But we had also a lot of C players. Myself, I was young, trying to learn the game. So they probably would have beat us, man. We would have scored some points, but I don't think we would have stopped them from scoring. Okay, now you, in the USFL, you played against Jim Kelly and Steve Young, Herschel Walker and Anthony Carter, Kent Hall and Kent and Keith Millard. You played against some Hall of Famers, Reggie White, Gary Zimmerman. Has the USFL gotten a bad rap? Did that league play a better brand of football than it's been credited with playing? All I'm going to say is if y'all vote Donald Trump for president, then the world is wrecked. Because that's the wreck in the USFL. I mean, I, I love a man that it can go out and be broke five times and come back and be as rich and better the next time, but he ruined us. He ruined us. This league should have still been around, man. The USFL should never went to funk. This should have been something that was springing into the NFL, man. If they would have worked just right, you know, let's look at the great players that came out of there, man. Like you say, the Reggie Whites of the world. I mean, Jim Kelly, you know, even though he was going to be great regardless, you know, Anthony Carter. You know, the league and the NFL didn't feel good about Anthony Carter and say he was too slow. But he was one of the few guys in Minnesota that could take a five-yard slant and go 60 yards or a guy that ran a 4-9-40 coming out of college. I mean, out of, high, out of college, out of Michigan. So we had some players, man, a whole lot of players. Are you surprised nobody's jumped in with another spring league? I mean, there's a place, obviously, in the calendar for spring football. The NFL is done. It's great. The NFL has shot it down. You can't make a move without them. This monster is rolling, and it's not going to be stopped for a while. <laughs> Ouch. Well, Nate, I've, uh, I'm, a, I'm a collector of all, of all things football, and I'm standing here holding my 1985 copy of the Bandits Press Guide, and mm-hmm. there you are, a trim, yeah. slim, 295 pounds. So I'm just wondering, how does a slim guy like you get become the kitchen? I don't know, but if, that picture, if that's true, at 295 pounds, that something was going right that day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember being that small. I was always 310 or bigger. So if I was 295, I, that was a lucky day there, man. Something happened fast. Hey, Nate, if you were 310, you had a lucky day. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. By the time I got to the NFL, again, you are right about that. But I, I tell you like this here, you know, when you have something as great as the USFL and how when we pumped it, when our players pumped it to the NFL, you notice we went to another level. And what I'm saying is when you get guys that are not as uh, as good as they should be and they get on NFL rosters and don't have a chance to develop, you know, you have a lull in your deal. But when we came into the league, we pumped the league a little bit because the talent was ready to be to, to be put on the field. And I think uh, the NFL has come back with a developmental league, and, that, and that's truly, truly going to help these guys. Hey, Nate, just a guess here, but uh, sounds like you're not voting for Donald Trump, correct? <laughs> no, no, ain't no way in the world I vote for this dude, man. All he got me was $3. <laughs> I mean, $3 on a lawsuit? Come on, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're with hey. former Dallas offensive lineman Nate, Newt, N- Nate Newton, and Nate's got $3 from Donald Trump. But he's also got some good stories. He always has good stories. And my guess is, Nate, you probably have some good ones about the old ball coach. So if you can, give us your best Steve Spurrier story. This won't be funny, but it made me feel good. <laughs> if, if I used to get fined. That's what I'm saying. It's 295. I, was I never got fined. I would get fined every week by Coach Spurry, at least $50 a pound, and I was always at least 12 pounds over, sometimes 150 sometimes $200, because I would always be overweight. One day he called me in his office, and he was mad at me. You know, I had, had a bad practice. You know, we was getting towards the end of the season. We was getting ready to have our second playoff game against Birmingham State up in Alabama, who always knocked us out of the 
the playoffs with Joe Gibbs, Joe Cribs, and all that running. In fact, they had up there. But anyway, he called in the office, man. He looking at me, man, red face. You know, he had doing his lips, slinging his hat around. And they come in and sit down, help us. I just, I don't understand. How good a talent is you? You, you, you fat. He was just talking. All of a sudden, man, he just stopped and sat down. And he looked at me. Man, he just threw a lot of money up on the uh, table. It was like two or three thousand dollars. I said, "Wow, coach, what's this about?" Well, that's the money overweight. I ain't gonna find you overweight. You don't make enough to be to be fine. <laughs> 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 I said, "I look." I, it tripped me out. But you will not find a more uh, intelligent guy. Hey, hey, fellas, excuse me. What Darren Wilson? Great, great Ring of Honor. They just Rick. They just put Darren into the Ring of Honor. I'm doing an interview with Rick Carson oh, and the guy. Yeah, hey, hey, they just put him in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, and so. But back to the story of Coach Murray, I'm sorry. He was a mind. He could just sit there and during practice and draw plays up on the paper. And, and, and he would run them right there in practice. And they would work. I mean, <laughs> so the only I take drawback to Coach Murray is he's so smart. And he started to thing where he holler out to the quarterbacks and tell them who to throw the ball. And I think that slows down the development of quarterbacks. You can't tell a guy where to throw the ball. The coverage should tell a guy where to throw the ball. <laughs> so you got more yeah. money from Steve Spurrier than you did from Donald Trump. Yes, I did. Yeah, I got about <laughs> two, three thousand dollars from Coach Spurrier. I only got three. Uh, I mean, we had like fifteen hundred players. How are you going to split up three, three dollars? Wow. <laughs> okay, Nate. So, now give us your best Jimmy Johnson story. Okay, the best Jimmy Johnson story. One day we was in practice we was out in, in Austin. A hot day. We had just been like fifth straight day in two days, right? And uh, the players started complaining, you know, and Michael Irvin complained, and Jimmy pays attention because Rick could tell you Mike was the hardest working player in the NFL. So he walked past Mike, Mike, how you hamstring? Coach, I'm doing all right. I think I'm going to try today. Hey, man, how you doing? How, how you how you cab? Uh, Coach, I don't know, man. He said, well, we'll keep you out of uh, uh, nine on seven. He said, Troy, how you on? I see your little stories. Uh, Coach, I'm going to try to wing it too. He walked up to me and looked at me and said, hey, Nate, you had, you had a good practice yesterday. You better have a better one today because you're on the block. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? He worried about everybody else. And they bothered any concerns. But he told me I better have a great day because I'm on the chopping block. I'm like, wow, where the inspired guy? <laughs> you know, but that's how they did me. They, they, they was hardball with me because they knew I needed to be pushed a little bit. Well, now we're going to put you on the spot and see what you think of your old Cowboy team. Who wins a game, one game for it all, 1992 Cowboys versus the 2014 Super Bowl champion New England Patriots? Uh, we win that game, man. We win that game because they ain't got nobody to stop us. They, 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 we, we just stopped them. Charles Haley, Tony Tolbert, Darren Wilson, we stopped them. We can stop them. We, you know, we, we got guys to stop them. You know, and, uh, you know, all they got is uh, uh, running. I mean, the, the quarterback, Brady, you get me excited, brother. I'm stumbling. There, there ain't no way in the world, brother. I'm about to cut. I'm about to stay nowhere in the hell they could beat us. Nah. We were too physical, too mean, and just didn't give a damn. That's the bottom line. Well, what if yeah, the footballs were underinflated, Nate? <laughs> they can be underinflated, overinflated. And, and by the way, that's, 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 they don't need to do that guy like that. That guy is too great of a player. And even if he did, deflate the balls, find the guy, let the guy play ball. Don't mess up his legacy. Don't smear him like that. Don't do him like that. His, his stuff has been done way, way worse than this kid did. Please don't do this kid like that. It's not, it's not worth it. It's not, it's not good for the league. Hey, Nate, you know, unfortunately, 
We are out of time, but we can't thank you enough for stopping by, and especially thanks for entertaining us these last 12 minutes, as you did for so many years as a voice in the Cowboys locker room. Hey, man, it's great talking to the legends, man. Have a great day, and may God bless you. Thanks, Thanks, Nate. Nate. You're the best, Nate. All right. Thanks, Nate. What legends he talked about? Oh, yeah, Goose Gossens with us. Hall of Famer. Yeah. That was former Dallas lineman and rock on tour, Nate Newton. Ron, what's a rock on tour? It's a former squirrel. (laughs) We'll tell that to Nate next time we get him on, and we need to get him on more often. For now, though, we'll take a break before returning with a legacy of the USFL and Jim Mora. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. I've developed, launched, and marketed over 400 products. Applying for a traditional loan is frustrating. There's paperwork, references, tax forms. You wait weeks for an answer, and you may not get the funds. There's a new way to get funding without the hassle. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Here's how it works. Go to Cabbage.com, fill out the online application. It takes minutes to complete, and you'll get a decision with none of the waiting. You could have immediate access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No fees of any kind to set up your line, and you don't pay a cent until you take a loan. It's helpful for a business to have security and flexibility. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. It's provided funds to over 50,000 businesses and has been named one of Forbes' top 100 companies twice in a row. So check out Cabbage.com. That's Cabbage with a K, K K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE, the number one online provider of small business loans. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Right now at Wendy's, get 10 nuggets, fries, and a drink for just 4 bucks. And for a little extra kick, try them with our new creamy sriracha sauce. That's right, 10 hot and crispy all-white meat chicken nuggets, the delicious heat of creamy sriracha, our natural-cut sea salt fries, and a cold, refreshing drink, all for just 4 bucks. That's a whole lot of great food without spending a whole lot of money. Get more for 4 only at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and a drink at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and Car Quest. It's great products, great people, and great prices. We're also brought to you this week by Grasshopper. No, I'm not talking about the young protege in Kung Fu. Grasshopper is the entrepreneur's phone system. And, Ron, you know something about it because your wife's involved with them, right? Well, a friend of hers is, and I uh, know some big wigs there, so it's always good to know some big wigs. Well, Grasshopper is where you can turn your mobile phone into a business system. Get a local or toll-free number, or bring your own. If you want to see how it works, just go to grasshopper.com. And too bad Grasshopper wasn't around 30 years ago. The AUSFL could have used it to turn red into black. When the league folded in 1986, it lost an estimated $163 million. Of course, that's the bad news. The good is that, as Nate Newton just told us, it really was on the right path. I know we have Bill Polian coming up later, but he believes that too. Goose and I talked to him last week, and he was pretty emphatic. Unfortunately, the USFL never really reached its goal or destination, deviated from its plan. 
decided to go from a spring league to a fall one, as Nate Newton told us, and eventually the USFL became the NOFL. So, guys, first question, what's this league's legacy? Well, the USFL proved that football is a year-round sport. You can play in the spring and summer just as well as you can the fall and winter. You know, the success of USFL, of the USFL spawned NFL Europe, and the USFL also operated with a sporting world's first salary cap, $1.8 million per team. You know, the NFL instituted its own salary cap about a decade later. And the one thing I really liked was the territorial draft. To accelerate the development of fan bases, the NFL assigned local colleges to teams. Penn State players became the property of the Philadelphia Stars, Michigan players, Michigan Panthers, Southern Cal players, LA Express, Florida paper, uh, players, Tampa Bay. And Ron, did you know that the USFL also played with a slightly smaller football than the NFL did? This <laughs> oh, would have been no. the perfect league for you, you know guys, who. You guys Brady. never perfect give it up. League for Tom Brady. You guys Brady. never give it up. 9.5 PSI, no problem. <laughs> uh, well, for, for me, guys, uh, the legacy is it's the $1 league. I mean, who else wins an antitrust suit against the NFL seeking $1.69 billion in damages, gets the win, and gets an, awarded a dollar? Trebled. <laughs> Trebled. Yeah, trebled. Yeah, yeah, some jury. Five women and one man. It took them 31 hours to come up with that idea. They agreed that the NFL used its monopoly powers to injure the USFL, but they said that didn't include TV. That's the lifeblood of the sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who wins the antitrust suit, and that's a dollar? Donald Trump, the father of our nation. <laughs> I guess Nate Newton's not going to be voting for him. He mentioned that. We'll ask Bill Polian later about it. Actually, we ought to ask Doug Flutie about it anyway. Guys, I want to know if you believe, as Nate Newton does, and as I said, Bill Polian does too, that the USFL would have succeeded had it stuck with the spring schedule and that it might have, and I say might have, forced a merger with the NFL. Yeah, I think the USFL would still be with us in some form today if it remained in the spring. It had TV contracts from maybe seeing ESPN, you know, from the start, and it was attracting quality young players. Heisman Trophy winners like Herschel Walker, Mike Rozier, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks Jim Kelly, Steve Young, fellow Hall of Famers Reggie White, Gary Zimmerman. It was also developing young stars like Bobby Hebert, Sam Mills, and Gary Clark. Also, the, the Philadelphia Star had one of the football's better think tanks at the time with Carl Peterson, Jim Mora, Bill Clark, Terry Bradway, Rod Graves. Now, that league knew what it was doing, and the U.S. will prove that there was a place in the calendar for spring football. Hey, Ronnie, I, I'm sure you witnessed a USFL game somewhere along the line. I guess sure. My guess is that you might have taken in a Boston Breakers game. But before I get to you, I want to ask Derek, who, of course, is our producer, Derek Burns. I know you're a big New England honk, and you told me you have a couple of oh, maybe three helmets going. And is one of those a USFL home helmet that you've got in your den somewhere? It is. It's a Boston Breakers helmet. Wow. Ron, you have a Boston Breakers helmet in your uh, bedroom, your den, your TV room? I don't, but I have a Raiders helmet right over my bed. Yeah, that doesn't surprise (laughs) me. Anyway, you have any enduring memories of those Breakers games? Yeah, I have a couple. You know, one is the the, uh, the Breakers head coach. uh, was a wonderful guy named Dick Corey. A uh, longtime NFL assistant coach, great guy. He went 11-7 and seven that year and was coach of the year. Uh, and he did it with an ex-CFL quarterback named Johnny Walton, who was 37 years old and hadn't played in three years. He came out of retirement. And he had a running back named Harry Crump, who rushed for 990 yards. We used to say he made defenses crumple. <laughs> uh, the- <laughs> 
And they had one other thing that, that was really near and dear to me, and that was their cheerleaders, who were known as the Boston Breakers cheerleaders, were the Heartbreakers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember Johnny Walton. Didn't he have a TV show, Young John Walton, John Boy? <laughs> yeah, John Boy. He could chuck it. Well, what I remember most about that lineup of stars, is, and Goose addressed it, is that essentially they had a lot of them. And Goose, you mentioned um, the Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Jim Kelly and Steve Young were there. Hall of Fame defensive end Reggie White was there. And Goose, you went through the litany of stars that played there. And, and you're a pretty good judge of talent with the NFL. Um, you didn't do a very good job of judging where that Tom Brady case was going. But how would you compare this league to say – appeal. They don't have a shot. Let's not get into this again. How would you compare this league to, say, a startup AFL? And could any of these teams, and I'm talking about the USFL, have competed in the NFL? Well, the USFL lacked the roster depth of the NFL teams. You know, they couldn't go 45 players deep with their NFL counterparts. But the first 22 to 25 players on most USFL teams could have been competitive with some of the NFL franchises. You know, the Michigan Panthers won the first league title with Bobby Abier and Anthony Carter, two pretty good players. Philadelphia Stars won the next two with uh, Kelvin Bryant, Santa Mill, Sean Lanzetta, pretty good players. Keith Millard, Kenton Hall, Frank Smith, Phil Bon Johnson. There was some top-shelf talent in that league. In fact, you know, Goose, and I was a top-shelf talent. It was a lot of fun, too, and that's something that Jim Moore addressed when we spoke to him last season. And, Derek, if you can cue that up, here's what he said. How much fun was it coaching in the USFL? Yeah, it was probably – well, I'm not going to say it's the most fun I've ever had because it wasn't, but it, it was right up there. You know, I really had a lot of fun because, you know, because we won. Winning is, is fun. We had the best team. We had the best players. I had a good staff, a good organization, and we won. We won most of the time, you know, and when you win, it's fun. I just wonder, what was the most fun you ever had, and what was her name? funny you ever had was going to the playoffs. Playoffs! <laughs> I'll tell you what's a lot of fun. Dr. Data and trying to figure out who he's going to eliminate next from his Super Bowl radar. And Goose, you've already taken care of Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Houston, and San Francisco. Scratch them all from your Super Bowl pool. <laughs> now people tell me you have, what, three others? So Las Vegas is waiting. Let's hear who you have. Okay, scratch New England. The Patriots are the defending champions in a league that frowns on repeaters. There have been 49 Super Bowl champions in history, and only eight managed to repeat. None of the last nine champions have repeated. I'm going to give you two more scratches, Tampa and Tennessee, because both a couple toughies. Because both open the season with rookie quarterbacks. Ron's got to scratch the Rams in 1999, by the way. Since 1960. When I consider the modern era of football, there have been 80 rookie quarterbacks who served as their team's primary starters. Only 17 of them managed to win more games than they lost. Only 11 of those 17 took their teams to the playoffs. Only five managed to win division titles. Dan Marino, Kyle Baller, Ben Roethlisberger, Kyle Orton, and Clark Sky, RG3. And not a one extended a season to the Super Bowl. Troy Aikman, the first overall pick of the 1989 draft, went 0-11 as a rookie starter. Peyton Manning, the first overall pick of the 98 draft, threw a rookie record 28 interceptions. David Carr, the first overall pick of the 2002 draft, was sacked a rookie record 56 times. A struggle is in the cards for the overwhelming number of rookie quarterbacks. Some rookie starters did, however, prove to be fast learners. 
Marino, Roethlisberger, and Clark's other guy, Russell Wilson, all took their teams to the Super Bowl in their second years. But they were the exceptions rather than the rule. Since 1978, when the NFL went to a 16-game schedule, there have been 62 rookie quarterbacks who served as primary starters. Their average one-loss record was 6-10. and 10. So if you haven't already scratched Tampa and uh, Tennessee, go ahead and do it now. Well, this will come to, as a shock to you, Dr. Dad, but I had already scratched Tampa and Tennessee because <laughs> it doesn't matter if Methuselah was their quarterback. who had a lot of experience, by the way. But New England, Tom Brady, isn't he the last quarterback to win back-to-back Super Bowls? Ron, Ron, how old is your son, Jack? Nine. So he's essentially lived his lifetime between Brady's last two Super Bowls. Yes, sadly, yes. It's tough to win, tougher to repeat. But then you already knew that, didn't you? Hey, I Goose, did. I got a quick question for you. Okay. Are you going to make this a weekly series? I mean, you're scratching two more teams next week. Maybe get Cleveland and uh, somebody else. Uh, I don't I'll know, Jacksonville. I'll for you the first show of February. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> well, hey, Goose. Congratulations, because guess what? You've done the impossible. You have New England fans off of Ron's back. And guess what? They're on yours. But we, well, we like Rick so much, we're going to have him make a Hall of Fame case for former Pittsburgh defensive lineman L.C. Greenwood when we return. This is the Talk of Fame Network. The two-for-five-dollar deal at Burger King just got hotter. That's right, we just spiced it up with the new extra-long jalapeno cheeseburger. Feel the flame with two all-beef patties side-by-side stacked with fiery jalapenos. They're like little green firecrackers exploding in your mouth. Oh, yeah, did we mention you can get two sandwiches at Burger King for just five bucks? But if that's too much fire for one mouth, you can mix and match with the Big King, Big Fish, or Original Chicken Sandwich. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price of participation may vary. Price is higher in Alaska and Hawaii. As an entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forward callers to your mobile phone. You can even get voicemails transcribed. Join over 150,000 small businesses who stay connected with Grasshopper. See how it works at grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. Hi, Tom Bodette trying out this Paleolithic diet. You know, the one where you eat the stuff cavemen used to eat? Well, right now I just want to hunt and gather a pizza. For you, on the other hand, I recommend a steady diet of Motel 6, where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Sure beats this cave, not to mention the loincloth, which is draftier than I anticipated. Well, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosler, and your Hall of Fame host, Mark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you each week by GEICO. That's GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. 
When we first started this hour, I asked you guys about the most compelling stories or questions in the NFL this year. So now let's go one step farther. Every year, as you know, there are surprise teams on the escalator going up and on the escalator going down. So, Rick, I'm going to start with you. Give me your surprise team going up. Minnesota. I think Adrian Peterson can do for Teddy Bridgewater and the Vikings what DeMarco Murray did for the Tony Romo and the Cowboys a year ago. I think that with fresh legs, Peterson can win the Russian title. You know, that'll take the pressure off Bridgewater to make all the plays to win games like he had to last year with no running game. Reggie, Ron. Uh, Miami. Uh, I think the assumption is Joe Philbin has no clue what he's doing and he has no quarterback. But I think people are wrong on both counts. Uh, their defense should be formidable. And if Tannehill has uh, enough weapons to win games, I think now, uh, if he doesn't make foolish mistakes, there remains an issue, of course, the left tackle uh, with Brandon Albert's health. But if they can affect Tannehill uh, with that defense, I think they could they could make a lot of noise and they could be a problem for uh, not only the Patriots but everybody in the uh, in the AFC East. Well, I hope I'm not going to make a foolish mistake. I'm going to take a flyer on Atlanta. In that division's weak, Saints Carolina have key injuries, and the Falcons, yep, they have a new coach. So. Uh, I give them a chance, at least they are. Uh, how about that escalator going down, Goose? Uh, Denver. Uh, I'm not sure how much Peyton Manning has left in the tank. He's 39. In the second half of the 2014 season, he clearly lost some zip on his passes. You know, the Peyton Manning of last December isn't going to be good enough to win 12 games this season. And here comes Kansas City and San Diego out west. I think Seattle, for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, a three-feet is very difficult. One of their best defensive players, Camp Chancellor, is, is in a, obviously in a major fight with them, despite the fact he has three years to go in his contract. He says he's going to sit out the season. They say, fine, we'll make you sit, uh, which if they try to do that, is certainly not going to endear them to some of his teammates who are, are, are friends of his. And I just think that these kind of, of issues over time just sort of wear your edge down just a little bit. And, and I also think that uh, what happened to them at the end of that Super Bowl last year is going to be very, very, very hard uh, psychologically to overcome. Disappointed in you, Ron. I thought you'd take New England. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, because you look at the quarterback. Hey, listen, I'm going to take the league office. The hits keep on coming against these guys, and based on what we just witnessed, I don't know if we've hit rock bottom yet, but that's not particularly encouraging. But I'm going to tell you what is. We got some birthdays coming up. So, Derek, you want to get that house band started up? There they are. Thursday, September 10th, former Dallas defensive back Charlie Waters turns 67 goose. Well, one of my favorite all-purpose players, Marlon Briscoe. He's like quarterback, wide receiver, flanker, you name it, he turns 70. Next day, September 11th, a day, of course, we all should remember, former Raiders center Don Mosbar. I know Ron remembers him. Team's first pick of the 1983 draft, and Ron... That was one pick ahead of Dan Marino. He turns yeah. 54, while Ed Reed, he's going to turn 37. And on September 12th, one of our favorite quarterbacks, Andrew Luck, turns 26. Happy birthday to one of the greatest athletes in American history, Jesse Owens, who won four golds at the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. He died in 1980 at the age of 66. If he was still with us today, he turned 102 on Sunday. Well, he'll still be out running everybody that we know, too. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's a uh, big birthday on Friday the 13th. First, you have a guy who has caused a lot of NFL coaches headaches, a lot of NFL players find money. That's Milton Hershey, creator of the chocolate bar that bears his name. 
Many alignment has been found with a few half dozen of those stuffed in their pockets when they should be eating salad. <laughs> well, congratulations to everyone. You now get to sit back and eat a Hershey bar and listen to Rick. Yes, Rick Austin tell you why former Pittsburgh defensive lineman L.C. Greenwood, member of the Steel Curtain, belongs in the Hall of Fame. So, Goose, floor is yours. Take it away. Okay, L.C. benefited from playing the left side of Pittsburgh's Steel Curtain defense, lining up alongside tackle Joe Green and in front of strong side linebacker Jack Ham. But Green and Ham also benefited from playing with Greenwood. Green and Ham have received a just reward for their careers, boss in Canton. But Greenwood, it seems, continues to be punished for having played alongside those two Hall of Famers. Despite, despite being voted to six Pro Bowls by his peers, and a spot on the 1970s All-Decade team by the media, Greenwood has been denied membership in that exclusive gold jacket club that includes Green and Hammond. He's been a Hall of Fame finalist six times, and he's been passed over each time. And now he's in the abyss that, it, that is the seniors' pool. So there seems to be a belief that there are already enough Steelers from the 1970s enshrined, nine of them, including four on defense. Greenwood would be the 10th inductee from a team that won four Super Bowls that decade. But the Green Bay Packers have 11 players in strong enough team that won five NFL titles. And Ron's beloved 1970s Oakland Raiders have 10 players in strong of a team that couldn't beat the Steelers and wound up playing in only one Super Bowl that decade. Ron, your, your silence speaks volumes. Stop <laughs> blaming the Raiders. In, <laughs> if there's a space in Canton for all those Packers and Raiders, there should be room for an 11th Steeler. The Steel Curtain is one of the great defenses ever assembled. That unit posted 11 shutouts in the 1970s and held a dozen other teams to a single field goal. There are five members off the great Green Bay offense of Vince Lombardi in the 1960s in the Hall of Fame. There should be room for a fifth bust in Canton for the Steel Curtain. Greenwood stood out on the field during his career wearing gold top high cleats. Sadly, he passed away in 2013 of kidney failure. There should be a gold jacket on his resume with those gold cleats. Well, Bruce, here's my question about LC. How do we know that, you know, you, as you pointed out, he's surrounded by all these Hall of Famers, Joe Green, Jack Ham, and Jack Lambert. How do we know that his production wasn't more about them than it was about himself? I'm trying to throw that up about seven other Raiders from the 1970s. <laughs> I was waiting for you to ask that. <laughs> Run deep, throw him the ball, touchdown. Nice going, and he's goes. not in. And that yeah, and he's in. not in, exactly. No, I, I talked to Joe Green, and Green said they fed off each other. He said Green made uh, Greenwood a better player, and Greenwood made Green a better player. He's the fifth best player on that defense, and I think there's five spots that uh, belong in Canton. Well, you guys should know that sound by now. It's our Sheldon Richardson drill again. Yep, we're going 143 miles an hour. Goose, you're going to ask. Ron and I are going to answer. Derek, you have the eject button, so use it if you want. Goose? Let's get started. Who was the best player cut last weekend? Tom Brady. Courts finally cut him some slack. Oh, God, stop it. Steve Weatherford, punter from the Giants. He averaged 46.3 yards per punt in the last four years. He could help a team. The Buccaneers claimed five players off waivers last weekend. Is Tampa's roster worse than we originally thought? Nope. This is a 214 train wreck. Who's quarterback by Jameis Winston. Hard for it to be worse than I originally thought, but that's 10% of a roster, so it does make you wonder. Pittsburgh placed a waiver claim on a Tampa cut. What's that say about the 2015 Steelers? Chuck Noll is not making the decisions. 
The D-line may not be quite as good as some people think. The Broncos said goodbye to Monte Ball, the 2012 Doak Walker Award winner. Are Wisconsin running backs overrated? can't believe you asked this, Goose. Apparently, you never heard of Alan the Horse Amici. I would say Monte Bell was, at least by Doak Walker voters like yourself. Cleveland cut its fourth-round pick last April, plus its leading rusher from a year ago. Are the Browns that deep or just bad drafters? Uh, maybe we should ask Bill Kuharik later in the show. Maybe they're cutting their losses or cutting their throat. Time will tell. When does Roger Goodell make his next appearance in New England? When Brady files his defamation of character suit against him. Well, you assumed you have character. Halloween when he comes <laughs> dressed as Tom Brady. Nick Staben said he would have stayed with the Dolphins had Miami signed Drew Brees. Would such a pairing have derailed the New England dynasty? Nope. And I can tell you why in two words. All together now, Tom Brady. You got a new tune, will you? Uh, no, it wouldn't have, but it would have made Brees' life miserable. Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Carson, or Carson Palmer? Gentle Ben. Best pass rusher in Bears history. Ben Carson. At least if your head hurts, he can fix it. <laughs> Speaking of Carson Palmer, what's the over-under on the number of starts by the brittle quarterback for the Cardinals this season? Less than Brady this season, but more than the Mets' Matt Harvey in the playoffs. 16. I'm a positive thinker like friend of the show Bruce Arians. Des Bryant or Odell Beckham Jr.? Odell Beckham Jr. We'll stay out of the next fight. Well, there you go, Clark. You're not thinking ahead. Odell Beckham in the game, Des Bryant in the street fight. <laughs> the Colts think they have the best offense in the NFL. Who gets your vote? Baylor. Green Bay. I know they don't have Jordy Nelson, but so what? They don't have Ricky Nelson replacing him. Best matchup of the opening weekend. Saints Cardinals, Lions Chargers, or Ravens Broncos? Ravens Broncos. In prediction here, Goose. Peyton doesn't throw seven TDs. I agree. Ravens Broncos. It's the future against the past if Peyton's still alive. That is the end of our first hour. When we return, it's Bill Polian, Doug Flutie, and Bill Coherick. And oh, yes, Tom Brady. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. I've developed, launched, and marketed over 400 products. Applying for a traditional loan is frustrating. There's paperwork, references, tax forms. You wait weeks for an answer, and you may not get the funds. There's a new way to get funding without the hassle. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Here's how it works. Go to cabbage.com, fill out the online application. It takes minutes to complete, and you'll get a decision with none of the waiting. You could have immediate access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No fees of any kind to set up your line, and you don't pay a cent until you take a loan. It's helpful for a business to have security and flexibility. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. It's provided funds to over 50,000 businesses and has been named one of Forbes' top 100 companies twice in a row. So check out Cabbage.com. That's Cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE, the number one online provider of small business loans. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Welcome back to our number two of the Talk of Fame. In this hour, of course, we'll sit down with former quarterback Doug Flutie. Former GM Bill Polian and Cleveland's current interim GM Bill Coherick to talk about today's topic, the USFL. But there was a seismic decision last week, and it's one that affects Q 
future Hall of Fame candidacies. Talking, of course, about Tom Brady's beatdown of the NFL and Roger Goodell. First of all, I believe strongly what Brady said before and after this decision. That's that there were no real winners here, that everybody lost. But nobody, nobody lost more than friend of the show, Roger Goodell in the league office. A smart man wants to tell me. He got no one to hold him and no one to fold him, and he didn't. So he paid the price. Yeah, Clark Goodell was just playing percentages. Historically, the courts have ruled overwhelming in favor of management in those appeals. So the NFL was in no hurry to cut a deal, and neither was Brady if it meant an admission of guilt. Brady got off because the judge found the NFL's suspension process flawed. He wasn't ruling on the evidence. He wasn't retrying the case. He was ruling on the process. Well, he wasn't playing the percentages here. He was playing Jeff Bessel and Tom Brady. So, Ron, let's just start with the immediate fallout. What happens next with the commissioner? He said he doesn't want to give up final say over player discipline. But can you see his powers getting curtailed by the owners? Anything's possible, but I don't think so. Uh, because what you're going to see is a lot of this public posturing by some owners about making changes that reduce the commissioner's power and so forth and so on. But in the end, what has happened in these cases, these last five, they're exactly what they're afraid of. When things go to an independent arbitrator, management loses. If NFL owners wanted neutral arbitration, they would have bargained it away at a high price a number of times in the past. They don't want it, they've never wanted it, and they still don't want it, and they're not going to give it away. Okay, Hokus, uh, I know some people are predicting, I realize this is drastic, but this could be Goodell's Waterloo. Essentially, it could bring about his downfall, especially now that he's lost the show. Bob Kraft is now like, is that an overreaction? Yeah, Goodell's contract runs the 2019 season, and I think the office will be restructured between now and then, and uh, the disciplinary arm is probably going to be removed from his control. And my guess, there's going to be some kind of representation from both the NFL and the union on a joint panel. So there's no question. I think the commissioner's office will lose some of its power, some of its clout. And Goodell, uh, he's got four years. I don't think they buy him out, but I think he could be linked up. Let's go to the guy in the middle. That's Tom Brady. I strongly believe he had to score a defensive court or decisive court victory to retain what was left of his legacy after the NFL took two shots at it. And he did that. So now, can Ron stand up in eight to ten years and do as Ira Miller did with Joe Montana and say, I give you Tom Brady at the Hall of Fame Selectors meeting? And then sit down? Well, again, that's a long way off. And by then, I'm sure Ron will have the temperature of the room. He'll know by then if Brady is a slam dunk or if some voters think he got off on a technicality. The flawed process by which you investigated and suspended, not the evidence. Oh, Ron, somehow the idea of you presenting Tom Brady seems so intriguing to me. I, I might want to televise that. I don't know. Why is that? I've long acknowledged he's arguably the best quarterback of his era. And one of the best of all time. I don't want to have it save me like you do, but I mean, other than that. Well, he's uh, not one of the best know, quarterbacks of his era. He's the best quarterback of his era. Well, that's, I, I, I believe I just said he's arguably the best quarterback of his era. That, that would mean that he's arguably the best quarterback of his era, but that's okay. First off, he was not exonerated of anything. He got off on a uh, procedural mishap. As you know, under the Hall's rules, however, uh, only what transpires on the field figures into any assessment or supposedly figures into any our candidate. So uh, unless more proof of past cheating comes to light, and uh, of course, we both ESPN and SI pounding the drum about that this week, I would think he's a slam dunk, but I'm not going to stand up there and say, I give you Tom Brady and, and think that it's safe to sit down. These, uh, there's enough smoke there that the issues are going to have to be addressed, and better they are, they are addressed by his presenter than by the silent assassins who sometimes sit. Okay, let's, lastly, let's move on to the Hall of Fame candidacy of Bob Kraft. 
Uh, this is the second major scandal for his franchise. And the first, you just mentioned Ron Spygate, getting a lot of attention this week with reports suggesting that teams took precautions and take precautions to prevent spying by New England. Yeah, well, look, I mean, in some ways it didn't help. But in the end, you know, he, he took the penalty without fighting back. He took one for, for his fellow owners. I don't think it helped the perception of Belichick, but uh, does anybody think for a minute that Bob Kraft will only went, hey, let's try the old deflated ball trick. You know, I got an idea. Let's, I mean, please. You know, I mean, to, to lay this on the, on the, at the feet of any owner, I think, would be a, a pretty big stretch. Yes, how about you? Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for any owner to get in. You know, Al Davis bucked the NFL. He was a seven-time finalist before he finally got in. You know, I think Kraft is now bucking uh, the NFL. The comments he made about uh, he couldn't trust the league. You know, this, it could be, the road could be a little longer than uh, he expects. Well, we're not going to be a little longer. We've got to go. I'd like to spend more time on this, but uh, I'd especially like to be playing that debate I had with Ron a month ago, but we must move on and move on. We will with Doug Flutie after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame is brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Get a local or toll-free number or bring your own. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper. That's grasshopper.com. And now, a touching moment while staying in touch with Geico. It was a warm summer day. I was just sitting on a porch watching a babbling brook roll by. Then, out of the blue, I got an update from my Geico app saying my claim had been processed. I felt so connected to nature, to Geico. (laughs) I stayed there the whole afternoon until that guy told me to stop trespassing on his porch. Sheesh. What was his problem? Claim status updates, just a few taps away on the Geico app. Since the dawn of time, people have loved combining things. Have a stick and a sharp rock? Yeah! Now it's an axe. Okay. Got steam in a boat? Uh-huh. Hello, steamboat. Uh-huh. That's how we made the new Little Caesars box set. You get four slices of deep, deep dish pepperoni pizza and ten pieces of Italian cheese bread with crazy sauce in the same box for just nine bucks. We think you'll agree it's the best combination ever. The new box set only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations for a limited time plus tax. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? Not all barbecues are the same. Not all guitar licks are the same. Not all motor oils are the same either. Valvoline Full Synthetic High Mileage with Max Life Technology actually is different. It's the superior protection of synthetic for cars over 75,000 miles. But don't just believe us. See for yourself at seeadifference.com. Valvoline, 140 years under the hood. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Takes the snap. He drops straight back. Has some time. Now he scrambles away from one hit. Looks. Uncorks a deep one for the end zone. Phelan is down there. Oh, he got it! He got it! He got it! Touchdown! 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 Touchdown, Boston College! He did it! He did it! Flutie did it! He got Phelan in the end zone! Touchdown! Well, after that, I'm not really sure why I'm introducing Doug Flutie. 
virtually everyone remembers what they were doing or where they were when he threw that pass. Doug Flutie has always had to fight other people's expectations. You know what? Most of the time, he won the fight. Always considered undersized, he was a star at every level. A college All-American at BC, a CFL Hall of Famer who was selected as Canada's greatest player ever, a Pro Bowl quarterback in the NFL, and if he'd stayed more than a season in the USFL, no doubt about it, he would have taken over that league as well. Doug Flutie, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I know, of course, Doug, that you've heard that radio call of the greatest pass ever thrown in college football thousands of times, but uh, uh, we were talking to Jimmy Johnson not too long ago, and we asked him about that play, and he had a little bit of a different take on it. So I wonder if you could just sort of listen to what Jimmy's take was. My defensive coordinator was actually not even in the press box when that play was run, and we took the lead with just so many seconds to go on the clock. I'm on the headphones, and before the play is run, I'm saying, okay, Ron, you know, victory defense, right? And there was no answer on the other end of the line. He had already cleaned out his office, was going to quit as soon as the game was over with. So when we scored to take the lead, he left the press box. And, and while that play was being run, we didn't even actually have a defensive call out on the field. I never, ever talked to that particular coach again. That sounds like sour grapes to me, Doug. What do you think? Well, I remember hearing the story that the, the coach had left the press box. I knew that. And, you know, they assumed they wanted Well, there's no question what you do for a coverage. You just get your butt back and defend the Hail Mary. But <laughs> I didn't know he was leaving the program anyway and he cleaned his office out and was ready to make a move. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that aspect of it, but I knew that uh, he had left the press box there. I had heard that. Did you assume your pass wow. did him in? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Yeah, that last pass got him fired. <laughs> yeah, right. maybe that's why he was leaving, yeah. I don't know. But, you know, it was, the, the thing was, they were in perfect position to make the play. Just the two players that went up for the ball bumped into each other. It went through cleanly. And Gerard made a heck of a catch because he just had a split. He still the down flight of the ball, but then just had a split second again to find it again when it went through the crowd. Moving on, you signed with the New Jersey Generals of the USFL before the 85 NFL draft. The Rams didn't take you then until the 11th round with a 285th pick. Well, was your signing a preemptive strike on your part? Yeah, when I signed, I knew I was being... The NFL probably thought I was somewhere around a third-round draft choice, what they were saying, they were predicting. I wasn't 100% sure. I mean, I had heard as much as a first-rounder by some teams or, you know, fifth-round by others. But the general consensus was somewhere around third round. And the money being offered in the USFL was just too good to pass up. And it was a great opportunity to gain financial security at age 22, and, and I started my career. Subsequently, you know, the Rams waited till a late round pick up my rights just in case the league was old or anything else. They weren't really pick they weren't drafting me necessarily to bring me in or have me on their roster, but maybe just as a, as a pick they could trade later. We're with former quarterback Doug Flutie on the Talk of Fame, and Doug, follow question to that. Uh, I understand about the uh, financial security, but just wondering, how difficult was it to preempt what I imagine was an NFL dream, especially for a Heisman Trophy winner, and not go to the NFL first? You know, the, the the decision became pretty clear-cut. The contract made me the highest-paid football player at the time. It was a questionable future. Obviously, I've always had a chip on my shoulder, and I, I was confident a bit to go prove people wrong, and that's what I've done all my life. It, it got delayed two years, but or a year and a half, whatever it was. I think it might have been viewed differently, though. If I had just gone into the NFL, been a backup for a few years, back then you, there was no pressure 
on rookies to come in and play right away. They took their time. You had to earn your keep first. And then when you were ready, you got thrown thrown in. Now they get thrown to the fire right away because the contracts are so ridiculous and so so big. So the guys go in and play, and you know they, some of them pan out right away, and others don't. You know, throughout your career, it seemed like you, uh, it all took you a little while to get warmed up. I think when you first got to BC, they had just four string or something like that. And I know in the USFL, the I believe the first two passes you threw were intercepted by a guy named Jeff Gabrielson of the Orlando Renegades. Hey, thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> well, it certainly got better after that. Uh, and, I, and, and I just wonder, did you, after that game, have any moment of doubt at all, saying, geez, maybe all these pro scouts are right, or did you just sort of figure it was a bad no, game? No, not at all. I mean, college-wise, I was starting by the fourth game of my freshman year when, when I came in, they had planned on moving me to another position. And then in the, in the USFL, I'd been in camp for four days and could barely call a play in the huddle. I had about four or five pass patterns. So I was locking in on a receiver and just throwing, you know, week one. So that was kind of different because you're, you're, you know, I came in in the middle of a week and all of a sudden three or four days later, whatever it was, we're playing a game. So that took a little while. The, the thing that frustrates me more than anything about we got it rolling as the year went on. The first four or five weeks were a struggle. And then we got going. The thing that, that frustrated me about the USFL was my arm was dead. I had played a whole year college football, turned around, signed right away, and played an 18-game schedule. And um, I remember towards the end of the season, I broke my collarbone. And I came back after a few weeks and started throwing again, and my arm was live. But it was right at the end of the season. So I had given it a good two- or three-week break without even throwing a ball, and all of a sudden I noticed the difference, and that's when I realized that my arm was a little dead throughout that year. Doug, you always get to play with a cast, just hand it off all the time to Herschel Walker. <laughs> Herschel had a 2,000-yard rushing season. We had an NFL offensive line. We had an NFL tight end. We had Maurice Carthon at fullback. Ken Hall was our, our center. Ken Hall, perennial all-pro center for Buffalo Bills. And then Herschel back there at tailback. We ran the football. It was uh, th- That was a very talented New Jersey general team. We're with Doug Flutie on the Talk of Fame Network, and Doug, speaking to that New Jersey Generals football team, you know the Donald, Donald Trump, better than any of us and all of us combined. Would he be better running the country than he was running a football team? (laughs) I'll tell you what, I like his uh, viewpoint on a lot of issues. I really do. (laughs) I I think he'd be scary as a president. I don't know. (laughs) When it comes to... When it comes to a political office, you want someone that is able to be a little diplomatic in the way he phrases things. Or I don't know. I, I think he, in certain areas, he, he do extremely well. Other areas, share uh, a living daylight out of all of it. <laughs> now, the USFL obviously began as a spring league, and you played in the spring in the USFL. You played in the late summer in the CFL on into the early fall, and you played, obviously, in the winter in the NFL. Do you think there's a place for spring football today, as popular as the game is? You know, I really do. People watch spring football games for college football now. They televise spring games. They televise live from training camp, and people have to watch it. It's a practice. You know, it, it amazes me. In fact, people sit there for four days watching the NFL draft. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they're not picking players, people. <laughs> the day, like, oh yeah, who did we get? Oh, okay, we got those guys. I mean, they turn that into major TV. People are crazy about football. 
there was a legit, and I I think the avenue for a new league, honestly, is an 18 to 22 year old league for those kids that don't want to go to college to have an outlet with with NFL style coaching, and that way they don't have to pretend to care about classes. Pay eligible, they go get paid like thirty, forty thousand dollars to play ten games and get some film and get ready for hopefully an NFL career. I, I think it's a, a, a joke that goes on at some of the universities around the country. Doug, why was it that the, the coaches in Canada could get your skill out when the, the first go round in the NFL, those coaches couldn't? I think they turned over the reins to me offensively, and, and it was basically, what do you want to do? And I was in a position, I was up, when I was up there, after my first half of the season, I was calling all my own plays. I was running my own offense. And there was no, I mean, it wasn't rocket science. I repeated plays more than anyone in the history of the game. I ran what I knew I did well and past patterns that I was comfortable with. So you were never questioning a call come in. In the NFL, when you get a call come in, your first thoughts are, what are we looking for? What is the coach looking for when he calls his play? It's here to here to here. I had none of that. I was calling a play because I knew what I was looking for, and I wanted to do this. And now you're vested in that play call, and you want to make it happen. It, it just And if I wanted to change the play, I just did it because it was my play in the first place that, that I called. And you didn't, I didn't need to answer to anyone about my decision-making, so I played free and just lose. And I took a lot of risks. <laughs> We're with former quarterback Doug Flutie on the Talk of Fame Network. And, and Doug, question for you about after you left New England, you went to Canada, of course, had a storied career there. Uh, after, I think, your first year, you were 99-27, and 27, won three Grey Cups, six MVPs. And in 2007, you named the greatest player in CFL history. But you returned to the NFL, as we all know, became a starter, and you took the Bills to the playoffs, and you became the last man to convert a drop kick. You satisfied with your NFL experience or not? Absolutely. I, I mean, I would have loved to have had a 21. I played 21 years of pro ball. I would have loved to have had a 21 year career with the same team and just you know continued to grow and put up all those numbers. But the experience of Canada was awesome. You know what it did when I left the NFL the first time around and went to Canada. It put the fun back in football for me, and I regained my confidence. And when I came back to Buffalo from there. Like I was just talking about, I was playing free, loose, easy. Uh, if I wanted to change a play, I just changed it. If I wanted to to mess with the safety and try to move with my eyes and throw the backside, I'd do it. And I wasn't worried about what the coaches were going to say. So, so many times, especially early in my career, you had the, the camera behind you. And if your head goes to the left, they're going to ask you why on film on Monday. They're going to ask you... I would know where I was going to throw the ball, but intentionally pretend I was looking left with a camera behind. So on Monday, I wouldn't have to answer questions. You know, that, <laughs> yeah, it, it was ridiculous because you, know, you just graded a minus on this or that. But my eyes were still where I wanted, and uh, you know, productive. I was really, I was very satisfied with coming back, going to a Pro Bowl, getting to the playoffs with Buffalo. Um, it really was felt like redemption or validation to me. Well, Doug, I wish we could mess with the time and change it, but we can't. We're out of it. But thanks so much for spending time with us, and thanks for the memories. I mean it. Thank I you, Doug. I appreciate it. Thank you, Thanks, guys. Doug. That was Doug Flutie, and boy, was he good. Ron, was he always this good when you covered him? Yeah. One thing he could do was, was talk, and, and sometimes he could throw, and occasionally he could drop kick. 
We could do it all. <laughs> we could do it all. Well, we could do it all, too, here at the Talk of Fame Network. When we return, we'll hear why Bill Polian thinks there's a place for spring football. Remember when a small business needed a landline? Today, the world is your office with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. On the road, at the beach, or at home, Grasshopper helps you grow your business with all the features of a business phone system and the freedom of a cell phone. Features include multiple extensions for your team, calls forwarded to your mobile phones, voicemails transcribed and emailed, and so much more. See how it works at grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. Time for a getaway to Las Vegas, and with Luxor's best rate guarantee, you'll find the lowest guaranteed rates at luxor.com. Book online now and get the guaranteed lowest rates on your room. That means when you stay with us, you can get your Lux on for less and experience everything the pyramid has to offer, like some of the best dining spots in Vegas. Check them out at Luxor.com. And while you're there, book your room and take advantage of Luxor's best rate guarantee. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at Motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Just another reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and Car Quest. Great products, great people, and great prices. And now, it's time to hear from one of the great personnel men in league history. Talking, of course, about Bill Polian, who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And another product of the USFL. He worked with Marv Levy in Chicago in 1984, the Blitz. When Rick and I Caught up with him last week in Canton. I asked him about the USFL, where it went wrong, if there's a place for a spring league today, and this is what he had to say. I think the answer to both questions is yes. I don't think there's any question that would have made it. There would have been bumps along the road. There were some things we had to do or should have done that, that, that would have made it much more viable in the expansion process, maybe contract a team or two. Um, but the basic premise of it worked. And the way the calendar was at that point in time, um, you know, there was a hiatus between the Super Bowl and the Final Four, and then another hiatus between the Final Four and where the baseball season really heated up, which was May. Uh, and, and, and the USFL filled that void. And, uh, and fans were excited and interested, and new markets were emerging, Birmingham being one, obviously. Um, so I, I don't think there's any question that it would have made it. Uh, the team I was with, the Chicago Blitz, had been bought by Eddie Einhorn. It had very, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf and people like that involved in it. Uh, I don't think there's any question that we would have succeeded given that kind of ownership and backing. I was with Gene Fanning, who was our day-to-day overseer, who was as fine a man as I've ever met in my life. Um, you know, a Chicago native car dealer. 
you know, perfect person for the role. Um, but the movement to the fall, uh, engineered largely by Mr. Trump and 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 the acrimony which which followed the lawsuit, um, but but simply the move to the fall doomed it, and it was never going to survive head to head with the NFL. There was no space in which it could survive, and uh, and and that was a tragic mistake. Is there a place for spring football today? Do you think there's a place for a spring league today? Yeah, I believe unequivocally there is. Uh, I don't know if there's if the startup cost um, is something outside of the NFL that can be justified, or even if the expertise outside of the NFL is there to get it going under NFL auspices in some way, shape, or form. I think there's. I think it's a slam dunk myself. As a developmental league. Yes, as a developmental league. Now, you know, there's lots of uh, details that have to be taken care of, particularly with the players' association, as to how contracts would be treated. Um, you know, what what players would be eligible, things of that nature, and the alternative, quite honestly, for the NFL is to expand the practice squad, right. which is which is probably maybe in the minds of some more viable, both economically and, and, and perhaps even artistically. But absent that, there is no question that we need offensive line development. There is no question that we need quarterback development. There is no question that we need um, overall development of receivers, given the fact that, that all skilled people really on the offensive side of the ball, given the fact that the spread is so different from what we play at the NFL level. Mm -hmm. So kids coming in from college are at a huge disadvantage, and especially in the sense that we now have so many fewer practices uh, than we did in the past. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's certainly viable. I think it's viable on an economical basis. I think you can do it in a, in a, in a way that, that makes sense financially without a, a much more of an investment really than the owners made in the Europe League. Right. Um, and, and, you, and obviously there's a place for it to be shown on television via the NFL Network, if nowhere else. So and who knows who else might be interested. And I liked what you said last night, too. Your idea was essentially a regional league yes. and a southeast regional league yes, with that, secondary markets. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the area of the country that has the most football interest. Right. It's also the area of the country that has the most good secondary markets with existing acceptable stadiums. Um, for example, Birmingham, which we know was a great USFL market. Uh, Mobile, uh, which of course is the site of the Senior Bowl. Shreveport, Memphis, places like Jackson. that. Jackson, Mississippi. Um, Six-team league, 10-game schedule plus playoffs. Uh, you know, perhaps 40 guys on a roster. Um, you know, practice rules that make sense and all that kind of thing. And as I said, large hurdle relative to the union. You've got to sit down and talk with the union about it and, and have the lawyers vet what can and can't be done uh, within or without the, the collective bargaining agreement. Um, but bottom line, it's, it, it's, I think it's very doable. Um, for someone else to do it outside the NFL, I'm not sure that the return on investment is there as much as it would be for the NFL to do it, but we certainly need it. And we haven't even talked about development of minority coaches, minority executives, executive period, but particularly minorities, uh, officials of all genders. Uh, you know, this one of the great things that Europe did 
was develop a group of officials and improve their officiating. Our officials officiate six months a year. We need them to be officiating at least eight, maybe nine months a year. The more you officiate, the better you get. So what better place than a developmental league? What do you think the chances of it happening? I don't know. I mean, I, I, it goes and fits and starts. I hear people say, well, maybe this is a good idea, and then it, then it dies of morning. Something else takes its place on the front burner, and, and, and I recognize all of that. I think you, you need someone that, that needs to champion it within the NFL office. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there is such a person at, at this point in time. Um, but I know that when I talk to football people across the league, I mean, there's almost – uh, universal, uh, uh, the universal idea that we need some developmental vehicle. Right. What that is, I don't think everybody's agreed upon yet. Obviously, the practice squad is the expansion of the practice squad is one way to do it, and, and teams are now doing that. Teams are who have 20, 22 coaches are now dedicating five to seven coaches to the practice squad and working individually with those guys, and that may be the way of the future. But for me. Uh, the Europe experience, which, by the way, I was opposed to in the early going. Um, I've, I've since sat back and seen the results and seen, and seen what has happened without it. And, I, and I, I've now come to believe that we certainly do need a developmental league. I think Europe is a little too costly and a little, there's too much, a little too much unrest and security issues that impinge on that. But doing it here in the United States, to me, makes perfect well, sense. Well, take the, the uh, conversation full circle. The USFL actually, in the end, Made the NFL a better league. So you think about the players that came out of it. Oh my lord, yes. Um, and, and, and players and coaches and ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Made it a better league. Made it a better league. There's no question about it. Um, the USFL, at its demise, brought into the NFL a whole group of players who improved the game. Jim Kelly to start with, all the famers who improved the game. Right. Uh, coaches, Jim Moore, among among many others, who came in and and made our game better. And, uh, and there's no substitute, there is no substitute for that competition that a league of some kind creates. Well, that's the cue to hear from someone who never gets passe, never gets old, and is always around, unlike the USFL. That's Ron Borges. With his Borges or Bogus. That's right, segment. And Ron, please tell me the words Deflategate, Judge Berman, and Bogus are not tied together here. <laughs> well, a little bit. Not too much. Look, uh, denial is not simply a river that runs through Egypt these days. Uh, it's become a <laughs> oh, rising nice. tide running through Foxborough, the home of the defending Super Bowl champions. If recent reports in ESPN, the magazine, and Sports Illustrated are taken at face value, then Foxborough has become the home of the greatest criminal conspiracy in the history of professional football. As with everything else these days, the cheating charges may not be all bogus, but they can't all be true either. If they were, Bill Belichick would never have time to game plan. SI reports at least 19 teams have taken extraordinary measures to protect themselves from fear of Patriots spying, including insisting the doors to the visitors' locker room at Gillette Stadium be locked despite fire safety rules forbidding it. Hey, where there's smoke, there's fire, usually. The league's overreaction to Deflategate has long been believed to be a response to its underreaction, some have said cover-up, of Spygate, the elaborate and illegal system of hand signal dealing conducted by Belichick that was exposed by one of his former coaches, Eric Mangini, eight years ago. None of this is news to people who have spent years around Belichick, but in the wake of Deflategate, it's another black eye for a franchise with more of them than Mike Tyson's sparring partners. If they're not cheating, nobody outside of New England believes it. So where does the truth lie? Is this about balls, lies, and videotape, or myth, paranoia, and jealousy? Patriots say it's the latter. Their opponents say they've been running a detestable operation. 
More than likely, it's a little of both. Meanwhile, Commissioner Goodell insists there was no connection between the league-wide anger over his rapidly closed Spygate investigation and the seemingly endless and absurdly run Deflategate prosecution. Well, who wouldn't take Roger's word for it? Bogus. So the question we are left with is this. When it comes to a dynasty, are the Patriots the modern version of Vince Lombardi in Green Bay or J.R. Ewing at South Fork? Hey, go easy on J.R. Ewing. <laughs> Ron, more importantly, what's your stance? Are the Patriots charmers or cheaters? I think there's more than a little evidence that, they, that they've cheated in a number of ways. Some acceptable uh, under the sort of gamesmanship thing, others not so much. And their answers many times, in particular the Spygate thing, just don't hold up with reality. And frankly, neither did the NFL's investigation. Most of what just came out was no surprise for anybody who was around the team at that time. It was not a pretty scene. I'll tell you, there's no surprise, Ron. We're going to commercial. When we return, we're going to have Bill Kuhara who up run the USFL Philadelphia Stars and now runs the Cleveland Browns. At least for now. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Since the dawn of time, people have loved combining things. Have a stick and a sharp rock? Yeah! Now it's an axe. Okay. Got steam in a boat? Uh-huh. Hello, steamboat. That's how we made the new Little Caesars box set. You get four slices of deep, deep dish pepperoni pizza and ten pieces of Italian cheese bread with crazy sauce in the same box for just nine bucks. We think you'll agree it's the best combination ever. It is! The new box set only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations for a limited time plus tax. Hey, it's Flo, and here's my impression of a reality TV star explaining Progressive's discounts. So I was talking to Greg, and he said that Daly knew what Erica said about her when we were all on Marcus's boat. And I was like, you what? Wait for a seer drama because Progressive totes his discounts like Safe Driver, Multipolicy, and Paid in Full. So it's not like he said, she said, shut up, whatever. So basic, you know? Discounts to help you save more. Now that's Progressive. But then he was all, no way, Jose, because his name's Jose. Legit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org. Number 3030. Would you like a cleaning product that can be used in the garage, the laundry, and the kitchen, and save space in your cabinet? Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Concentrated all-purpose Simple Green is the answer for versatile cleaning throughout your home and garage. I'm so certain you'll love Simple Green. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. To learn more, visit us at simplegreen.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Talk of Fame is brought to you by Geico. That's Geico, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. You know, we promised you Bill Kuharik, former assistant GM with the Philadelphia slash Baltimore Stars and GM of the New Orleans Saints and vice president in charge of player personnel with the Kansas City Chiefs. Bill's a longtime friend of all of ours, and I mean longtime friend. He's not only the current interim GM of the Cleveland Browns, but he's on the phone with us now. Hey, Billy, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hello, guys. How you doing? Looking forward to talking about the USFL. Well, so do we. First question for you. The Stars, they went 
two or three league championships in the USFL. How do you think that team would have done had it played in the NFL? I think it would have been competitive. I think what would have happened is through attrition, the depth certainly wouldn't have been there to compete in a 16-game season with the NFL caliber players. But I think if you started the first part of the season, I think the first quarter of the season, that team would have been very competitive with the NFL team. Bill, tell us about the dog and pony show that was the Stars' first open tryout camp. <laughs> well, uh, actually, uh, uh, dog and pony is a good uh, good uh, comparison. But um, we had a series of tryouts in the fall of that year uh, prior to starting up in the spring. We would go to different high schools, uh, get common out, one come, one come. One come all, try out anybody who wanted to. We'd, we'd go through your typical individual build, drills, and we would eliminate real quickly. The one guy we found out of one of the tryout drills was Sam Mills, and we actually signed him in. Uh, Joe Pendry, who was our offensive coordinator at the time, we were ended up signing players in, in his van after, after the tryout. So... It was a, a different experience. We wanted to obviously give anybody uh, a try who felt they had ability to play uh, above into the next level of, of ball. So it, it was, uh, there's a lot of different stories of uh, Joe Pendry tapping guys on the shoulder saying, okay, it's time for you to go. We've seen enough of you. And But we did, we did get, I don't know how many exactly out of that, those tryouts that we eventually ended up uh, bringing to a training camp in the first year, but the, the most notable was Sam Mills. Did uh, you get tapped on a shoulder, Bill? No. I was I was young and energetic. <laughs> <laughs> How hard to sell was, was Sam Mills to uh, to your coaching staff? You're bringing in a midget linebacker, and not every coach is excited about a midget linebacker. Very difficult. Uh, we went through training camp. Dennis Tobin was the defensive coordinator, and when we'd go through our, our weekly meetings about ranking the players, Sam would always be the number one player on on defense, and, and Jim Moore, who was the head coach, would always question Dennis about how can we play in the regular season with a 5'9 linebacker, and you really have to give Dennis the credit for the persistence as saying, you know, this guy is so good. He is so instinctive. He is so uh, knowledgeable about the plays and the offensive schemes and sets and et cetera. He's the leader of the defense. And, you know, through the preseason, in those days, you'd had scrimmage against other teams in Florida. He just kept showing up on tape. And there was a concern from the head coach, uh, but Vince Tobin never waffled. And uh, he's proven out to be the right decision. Uh, Jim Moore was probably playing a little devil's advocate with Vince to see how firm he would stand on Sam. But after the first regular season game uh, where we played the Denver Gold out in Colorado, it was clear that we made the right decision by having him in the lineup and being one of our inside backers. Billy, about that guy who kept showing up on tape, and I'm talking about Sam Mills. Uh, earlier this summer, I did a state your case on him, and you know that I did because I consulted you uh, about Sam Mills. But some persons told me that they thought 
he was the second best defensive player in the USFL behind Reggie White, of course. You agree? Oh, you know, when you get into it's like uh, ice cream. Some people like vanilla, some people like chocolate, some people like strawberry. Uh, I, I don't know if he can rank them as the second best, but he certainly was in the top five. I don't recall, you know, you got Keith Millard was there. I mean, there were others, but, you know, as far as game in and game out, he was as productive as anybody on a defensive team in the USFL, no question. So you were clearly the best team. 1983, the first season, you went 15-3, by far the best regular season record. How did you lose the title game? I think we we uh, we were in a situation against uh, Bobby uh, Javier as the quarterback and, and Anthony Carter, the receiver. They hit a couple of big plays. Uh, we were unable to score enough. We scored a late touchdown to, to make it 28-24, but... Really, uh, you'd have to give credit to the Michigan Panthers. Uh, they really contained Calvin Bryant. Uh, they had a good concept of, of against our passing game. We were a controlled passing game with Tommy Donovan and Scott Pitsky, uh as our primary receivers. Um, so they bottled up Calvin, um, and they were able to score enough points on our defense with big plays. Of course, as you know, David Dixon is the founder of the league, and he had the Dixon plan that called for a salary cap of uh, $1.8 million per team. Uh, that was pretty quickly abandoned by several teams. Uh, one or two things. Had the Dixon plan been followed, uh, do you think the USFL's chances of survival would have been enhanced? And was the signing of Herschel Walker uh, in some ways the death knell for both the plan and the league rather than it sort of you know, savior that it was perceived to be. Let's let's address the first question. The Dixon plan. It was clear early on that teams were were not going to follow that. They had what was called a wild card, where everybody was asked to go out and find one marquee player, Jim Kelly, Steve Young, that's all. But the influx of the NFL players coming back over uh, that quickly went went out the window. I think my big opinion on the league is they're always in a league. There's always the have and the have not. So as the first year unfolded, you could tell who, who the better teams were. They were drawing appropriately, and then the teams that were losing, the novelty kind of wore off. The attendance went down. A couple things. The Herschel Walker signing, in my opinion, wasn't the best now. I think what one of the issues was is they went from 12 to 18 teams from year one to year two. I think that was a big mistake in hindsight. Then the third year they went back to, to a lower number. Another another problem was the teams that were winning, such as Philadelphia, were drawing well. Tampa was drawing well. There's, there's always teams that are going to draw well in non-NFL cities. Conversely, the the L.A. team did not draw well. So I think a better plan on where maybe to put some of these teams, uh, New York drew very well, uh, would have been a better consideration rather than trying to follow this Dixon plan. Well, Billy, you probably know that sound. That's our two-minute drill. We've got to go. So thanks for the time. And remember, Cleveland rocks.
As I said, we're on to the two-minute drill. Goose, you're calling the plays. Dirk's running the clock, so let's get to it, guys. Who's your dark horse in the Super Bowl? American Pharaoh. Indianapolis. Tough to win without a run defense. What advice can Matt Leiner give fellow man of Troy, Matt Barkley, about bench warming in Arizona? Stay out of the hot tub when ASU co-eds and cell phones are present. Keep a towel on your neck. It'll avoid sunburn. Jay Gruden doesn't think RG3 will be a distraction. What does Kirk Cousins think? Those objects in his rearview mirror aren't as close as they appear. He thinks Goose is a distraction. <laughs> when does disgruntled Seattle safety camp chance to return to the field and with whom? With Seattle and when he needs the cash, which is before the month's out. I would say after he realizes there's no other job that will pay him $437,500 a week. Who leads the Cowboys in rushing this season? Darren McFadden, Joseph Randolph, Joseph Randall, or Kristen Michael? Walk, Garrison. Joseph Randall, because McFadden can't stay in one piece, and Michael is no junior beast mode. Amari Cooper, Bradley Cooper, or Mini Cooper? DB Cooper. I can fly. Mini Cooper, cheaper cost. That is the end of the game. We'd like to thank Nate Newton, Doug Flutie, Bill Poland, and Bill Coher for joining us. Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you want to hear this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkfamnetwork.com, or dial us up on iTunes. Otherwise, tune into this station at this time next week. We'll look for you then. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hi, Tom Bodette spreading the word about Motel 6's cool new hashtag. It's all about the thrilling stuff you can do with the money you save at Motel 6 instead of some expensive hotel with a lot of fancy stuff you don't need. Thrills, not frills. Just post all those thrill pics you take on your summer travels with the hashtag thrills, not frills. Boom. I mean, hashtag boom. Hashtag this is awesome. I'm Tom Bodette for hashtag Motel 6 and hashtag hashtag we'll leave the light on for you.